Hey everyone, welcome back to Melinda in Miami. I'm Melinda DeSetta, your sex therapist. This month, October, is all about GLBTQIA. This month, we honor the leaders and the people who fought for equal rights. This month is all about taking the time to realize where society needs to grow to continue equal rights, beating down microaggressions, and full-on aggressions towards this community. So I'm so excited to celebrate with you. I have brought on my colleague, Roxana Tafel, and she specializes in working with people who identify as transgender and non-binary. Now, if you don't know what non-binary means, that's okay. She is going to tell you exactly what it means and if this is something that you are experiencing in your life or you know someone who is going through this as well. So to begin, let's introduce Roxana Tafel. She is a licensed psychotherapist. She has a private practice here in Miami who focuses on working with people who identify as transgender and non-binary. And she's going to tell you how she helps them, some of the struggles that this community is going through, and how you can do your part in helping. Hi, Roxana. Thank you so much for being on the show today and for celebrating LGBTQIA Month. And we're celebrating October. Just want to clarify for everybody that Pride is celebrated in June. And we celebrate in June um, the Stonewall riots that happened in Greenwich Village back in 69 and all the people who fought and protested for equality. And now in October, we're celebrating that. So this is GLBTQIA month, and we're here to celebrate the leaders and everybody who fought for equality. But I think it's also a time in the year where we recognize where we still need to grow as a society and where equality needs to grow. So Roxana, I'm so excited that you're here. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your practice and what clients you work with? Absolutely, and, and thank you for having me here. Um, it's a pleasure to talk about, uh, you know, LGBT um, things. So my practice is in, in Miami, Florida, and it's mainly with gender identity is my specialty. So I work a lot with teens and adults that either identify as transgender or non-binary or questioning their identity. And so I help them to figure those things out as well as general mental health related things. So you're bringing up a few terms that I think, you know, in our world we hear a lot, but I get a lot of my clients and colleagues and friends asking, what is non-binary? Like, how do we define transgender? So can you define non-binary and transgender? Yeah, so I get asked that all the time, especially mm -hmm. my, my niche, right, in mental health. Um, so transgender, you know, can be seen in different ways. So there's a definition of it being like an umbrella term for all the different genders that are, that are um, diverse, right? And then it also means just somebody that has not identified with the assigned gender at birth. So when we're babies, we get assigned either boy or girl, so male or female, and some people don't identify with that. They actually have a gender identity that's different from what somebody picked for them. So that's transgender. Same thing with non-binary. So non-binary is, um, the difference is that it's not 
a binary, meaning it's not male, female, trans male, trans female. Um, it can be a little bit of both. It could be neither, right? It could just be non-binary, right? And so uh, there can be a lot of confusion. We're used to putting things into neat, perfect boxes. And, and so non-binary can make people feel confused. And I think that's where, you know, a, a lot of people, as a society, we were trying to put people into boxes. Like everyone wanted to be male, female. That's how we wanted people to identify on paper. And it doesn't always match how we feel inside. And I always tell my clients too, like we don't live in a black and white society. Our lives are gray. And we do move like fluidly through life. Um, so what are some of the challenges, talking about challenges that your clients are experiencing today? Yeah. Well, I always like to share um, this important thing because there's a stigma about being part of the LGBT community where like, oh, you know, because your sexuality or your gender is different then you're struggling and you're suicidal. Um, but there's a, a really important factor of the reason why those stats tend to be so high. And it's really because of society, of people not accepting people that are different from them. And so that's mainly the issues that come up in my sessions, right, with a lot of people. Um, that's mainly what I help people to, to feel validated with. Um, for example, like sometimes families, like there's many families where maybe they, you know, they are accepting, they are loving and supporting of their child's identity, but as a family, they struggle with society, how people perceive them that, you know, are people rejecting us, right? Do I have to like explain, right? What is non-binary transgender? And it can be exhausting, um, and, and scary also. And I think I've seen in my practice too, where parents that I've worked with, you know, when a child is coming to them and introducing something new to them, I think their biggest fear is, what will society put on my child? Is my child going to have to experience these microaggressions, this aggression, you know, this phobia? And that's one of the biggest concerns that they have. Absolutely. And it's a valid fear. And I say, like, it will happen, right? There will be those microaggressions. There will be, you know, unpleasant experiences, right? Um, and as parents, like, you try to usually try to keep your kids, you know, as safe as can be. But this is a reality. And if your child, you know, identifies the way that they do, the most important thing is to support that, right? And for you to be their ally, their advocate, um, so that when things are rough outside, at least they have you. They can, they can go back home and know that I'm going to have my people there that get me, and they're going to be there for me. Right, having that one safe person. Like, we don't need a whole group of safe people. We really right. want one safe person to go to. And, if, and it doesn't always have to even be a parent. You know, when I talk to my clients, I'm saying, tell me about your family or your family choice. Because oftentimes we, we don't identify with our family. We can't choose our family. Sometimes our family is supportive. So if you're out there and your family isn't supportive, well, a family does not always have to be blood. It can also be your family. family right. Yeah. But, and I love that you do that. Like, what's your 
family family choice yeah family family choice i like that i like that too and i think it really opens up because sometimes we can have an even much stronger connection with somebody outside our family this isn't a choice i i didn't i didn't make this choice i didn't make this choice of who i'm sexually attracted to i didn't make this choice of what gender i identify with absolutely yeah and so the science like there's still a lot more that that we need to learn about um the most important thing is just gender identity is what the individual you know identifies with and we need to respect that right and how young are you seeing um people starting to really realize wait a minute not everything is matching up with me and my body yeah, so it could be as young as three, as young as somebody can speak. Um, sometimes it's later on. So since I work with the teenagers, I don't work with the little ones. Um, so with the teens, like middle school time, that's the majority where they start to really feel that gender identity becoming more concrete. Um, you know, and it's puberty time. So there's a lot of things that that are challenges right um some people later on in life as an adult an, an older adult you know they they realize you know my identity is a little bit different than what i've been you know maybe feeling before because the thing is that gender is fluid right so for some some of us it may feel really concrete so it can be difficult to try to understand right how gender could be fluid but it is you know and for some people that identity can shift through the lifetime, right? And it can happen to any of us. We just, we don't know. Right, and I think if you've noticed just even in yourself, like sometimes we really shift even through just phases of our lives. Like sometimes we're feeling more towards one identity, whether it's more feminine or masculine, but we can go through these different points in, in a day even. Yeah. But you bring up the age of three, and I know I've told people that before in their responses, there's no way. And sometimes you can tell this, right? So the child at three years old is not gonna come out and tell you what is going on, but you can notice it in how they're identifying with their words. Sometimes you can even notice it in the other children that they gravitate towards. At that age, it's very common for the children to gravitate towards the same gender. Right. And, and the toys and different things. And so as adults, we'll try to then throw these stereotypic toys at this three-year-old, hoping that they grasp it. And, and it becomes very confusing because the three-year-old's not understanding because they're not, they're just being who they are. And it's more confusing for an adult. When we get to that puberty age, that can be very triggering because the kids are developing. Like, oh my gosh, my genitals are coming in. I'm getting breasts. Like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel comfortable for me. And that's when sometimes they can really be triggered to feel like, wait, this isn't matching up. Yeah, yeah, that's where it, it can start to feel really strong, like those feelings of gender dysphoria, right, of being really uncomfortable with certain body areas. Um, and I, I like to point out as well, because there is like, a belief which is not completely accurate um, where transgender individuals um, don't feel comfortable in their bodies that like they're born in the wrong body and that that is true for some but not for everybody 
and so some might actually you know like some body parts or be okay with all of it um, and not want to you know physically transition as in like take hormones or a surgery and either way it's fine it's up to the individual what they feel comfortable with and sometimes it is medically necessary to you know do hormone replacement therapy or to have surgeries um and it's not just like a, a really easy thing that you start um so you might have to go to a therapist to get your letter right and then begin those processes right it, it, it becomes really challenging as you know you go through it and i think sometimes parents are like well I don't want to just put my child on hormones, right? Like my child's developing, what's that going to mean for the brain? Is it going to hurt them at school? And we always say as therapists, you know, never start anything that's going to be irreversible at a very young age. So you'll kind of hear therapists saying, okay, well, we can try like the puberty blockers for some time, but don't jump right to thinking surgery, you know, because people kind of say what let me jump to the surgery part and that is from what i'm hearing like much later in life surgery so it depends um i believe that there are some states where um teenagers are allowed to have like top surgery so for their chest um i'm not sure about bottom surgery but i think in florida you have to be 18 years old minimum to have a surgery um and then with the hormone therapy they can start like in their teenage years um, and there's different um, pros to it um, for example when you're going through puberty around the middle school years right um, that dysphoria can go up and what does that mean so dysphoria can cause other issues like anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, self-injurious behaviors, right? And so we want to prevent that. Uh, we want to work on mental health, right? And sometimes that's why I said it's medically necessary to, you know, start puberty blockers, um, to start hormones. And doesn't mean everybody is going to go that route, but sometimes it is really helpful and many many teens that i've seen have gotten a lot better in their mental health uh, once they start that well i think you know a lot of those negative talks and the negative mental health aspect really comes from looking in the mirror and seeing your body develop as feeling the wrong gender so it it really becomes a critical point in those pre-pubescent years to make a to really dive into what can happen because you can go down that really bad mental health route, um, but also developing in the wrong way. And then sometimes you'll see people having to reverse some of the developmental, physically developmental pieces that their body went through in the wrong gender. And that can be very difficult to come, come back from. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's another issue where long term, if somebody wasn't able to, to get, like, let's say, hormones, right, at an early age in adolescence, um, then they will develop more um, into the, you know, their, how do I, how do I word it correctly? Um, 
but basically yeah like they'll develop in the way that they are uncomfortable with right and are dysphoric i want to say um and so you're right when somebody gets older um certain features might be really prominent and it's hard for individuals to feel comfortable with that or feel safe sometimes because depending on where you are where you go you might um feel unsafe if if somebody you know thinks that you're trans um you might you know encounter some dangerous situations and so it's also a safety thing right to do certain things like surgeries right and some of the pieces that like you're talking about that develop after puberty that are really difficult then to transition back from um, is the facial structure, right? There's definitely a different facial structure between men and women. You're talking about the different bones in the hands. And I have talked to people who have gone through these surgeries later in life and they're very painful, they're very extensive. Most of this is out of pocket. So you're getting up into the six figure million dollar range. And yeah after so a lot of people one of the last surgeries they have is bottom surgery which shocked me when i learned that because when i thought in my mind i was like well, well the first surgeries would be bottom but a lot of people meant went for more of the aesthetic more of the physical features on the outside having the top surgery first and you know some of the facial features the laser hair removal like what people saw on the outside was the first thing they went to Right, exactly. And not everybody wants to have all the surgeries or any surgeries. So that's important to keep in mind too, right? Um, I think we have the assumption, again, because our brains want to go to the binary. So it, we're like, well, if somebody is a trans man, meaning they identify as a man, right? Then they must be planning to take hormones, do bottom surgery, do you know whatever it is to fit into a new binary of what a man means right but that's not always the case right so again like it's breaking out of that binary thinking and that there's so many different variations and you know personal decisions that are made um and we can't expect that people are going to fit neatly into you know the binary of what we've learned of gender in uh, one of the words I hear a lot in, in layman's terms, in conversation, in the community is what will pass? Do they pass? Do I pass? Can you just like expand on this concept of quote unquote pass? Yeah. So passing and it's also stealth is another word for passing, which is basically that um, you pass as a gender that you are nobody will question if you're trans right they just will assume okay that's a man or that's a woman right and it'll be the the accurate gender identity for that individual um some people uh maybe a lot have that goal to pass um for different reasons so safety right not having to to deal with discrimination um with violence some people feel like, well, it'll be easier with dating because people are going to be judging and people are going to, you know, have their own biases. So there's so many different things. Right. And, and also this idea of passing has to go through what society says is 
more masculine and more feminine. So you're going on this and a lot of that can be set by the media. And then we can get into all these types of getting to extreme plastic surgeries and disordered eating, wanting to pass. And we can really go down that rabbit hole of, well, I have to look like what's on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. And this concept of passing can, can really lead to a lot of mental health issues in itself. It can. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to pass, right? Um, I think it's everything is like as humans, we have to do our internal work, right? And it's it's okay because in the end of the day, we can't remove ourselves from, from earth and society. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> yeah, so it, it kind of reminds you of like diet culture. We can't run away from it. And so we're all influenced by by it of like what we're supposed to look like and things like that. So it's okay. If you want to pass, um, it's whatever makes you happy, really. I really believe in that, right? To allow individuals to do what is good for their for their mental and their physical health, you know? Right. So switching from that subject, going to the question of this entire podcast, we are a culture of celebrations and parties for sure. I want to know how you feel about gender reveal parties. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, they annoy me, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite frank. Yeah, like not saying like, okay, you can't have your party, um, but they become so strongly into, is it a boy or girl? And it's, oh, you know, baby showers were at do those even happen? Those were the thing. And now it's gender reveal parties. So it's always been about boy or girl, of course, um, but they've gotten more obvious and very extravagant and um, which can be, in my opinion, a little dangerous for trans and non-binary individuals. Um, and I'm not saying that people that are having the parties are are dangerous or trying to hurt people. Um, it sends a message, though. It sends a message, whether you're aware or not about it. Mm -hmm. um, there are trans individuals that feel it's hurtful. Um, and I did some research on, on the history of it because it's it's not that, that old. Uh, it's just been a few years, right, where we've been seeing these on social media of all these videos and, like, the powders coming out of the car. It's so yeah, um, which I can see how it's fun, right? And so I did some research on how it started. And there was this woman, I think her name is Jenna. Um, there were several articles about her being interviewed. So she did a gender reveal party a few years ago um, because she said she was bored and wanted to make something fun with her family. And so she did her party, shared it on her blog, because she started on her blog and then somehow that like got spread around that it became like part of culture now in the US and the UK. And she says that she regrets this. She regrets <laughs> that she did it and, the, and because of everything that's, that's happened um, because she doesn't believe in this binary system. And funny enough, she had a daughter, right, a cis, um, cis female, meaning assigned female at birth and identifies as female from what I read. And her daughter 
dresses in tuxes and her daughter teaches her about you know gender diversity and she's like very into that um so it's interesting how that that turned out from having that gender reveal party but you bring up a really good point about the gender reveal party and it does send these messages to people who maybe don't identify as male or female you know or want to want to transition into a different gender but it sends these and i think we as a society send these messages all the time so we're calling them like microaggressions you know if you've heard that if you listeners have heard that before microaggressions it's when you're sending these messages inadvertently but they really have a negative impact on the other person and we do it all the time i know as, as being a sex therapist i i get this a lot i have gotten from so many people wow you're a sex therapist thanks for doing that somebody has to do it like it's a chore and, and i'm sorry but this is my life passion <laughs> right so that is a best intention from the other person thank you for applauding me on my career but right the way it made me feel was very like not right not myself like i couldn't be proud of who i was and i think we do this inadvertently all the time and that's why i love gbtqa month because it highlights some of these microaggressions that we're experiencing and we don't even know we're doing them to other people and we talked about one um, on another podcast roxana about um hello ladies and gentlemen what message does that send to all these people in the audience? Because you are in a large audience, you are definitely talking to somebody who is transgender, intersex, non-binary. And what, how does that make them feel? Excluded and invisible, right? I mean, if we were to close our eyes and put ourselves in that situation, right? And everybody is calling you, let's say, by the, the wrong name or the wrong pronouns. Um, people are addressing ladies and gentlemen, right? And you don't identify as either. Like, how, how might you feel? And, you know, right now, also in schools, we're dealing with bathroom situations. And these are just the very blatant microaggressions, challenges that this population has, and I'm sure there are so many more that we're not even aware of, and that's why we always have to keep learning and listening and like listening to these podcasts and hearing from the therapists and allies who are really in there talking to them and what they're experiencing. Right, absolutely, and that's that's a lot of my part, my passion, right? So it's to to advocate, and when I mean advocate, like. I literally mean like any chance that I get to say something that is advocating, right? Like if it's with family members, right? Or somebody, whatever, they make some comment or they're making assumptions, right? About trans individuals, you know, I can jump in and I can nicely, you know, correct them and tell them why. And sometimes we end up having conversations and um, it seems like they're getting it. And these conversations are not not easy. And I think a lot of us put it off as, well, it's not my responsibility to educate the person who is making this insensitive comment. 
you know, so we're kind of like, well, it's not my, it's not my place. And I really think it is everyone's place. Like in order to make equality, it's people have to speak out for these things and have these conversations. So I would encourage you to take that place instead of shying away from it. Yes, and it means that you will make mistakes, right? You will get called out for making mistakes. It's happened to me a few times. And the important thing is like to be there with an open mind because part of allyship is that, you know, you you can take in some constructive feedback and you can be accountable. And, you know, just like I said earlier in this podcast, I learned something new about, you know, the biological aspects of gender identity. And I still don't know everything about that. You know, what I know more about is mental health, which is my field. So with allyship, there's just always going to be something new to learn. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. All your links to your Instagram and your website will be in the bio below. So thank you. Do you have any last tips for our listeners? Just be kind, respect people, and don't assume that you know what's best for the individual, even if it's your kid. Thank you, Roxana, for sharing all the details of your private practice. I'm so excited to announce that next week is all about masturbation. And if you caught my last post on Instagram, it was all about how to get acquainted with your partner's vibrator. It's not something to be feared or intimidated, but I'm going to give you all the tips and tricks that you need to know to have your best masturbation session. Also, I'm really excited to announce that I have just become partners with The Rabbit Company and The Malibu Company. So I will be using some of their products throughout my videos and how to enhance your pleasure pathway. But until then, go out and have great sex.